0: He doesn't condemn you because you may be wealthy. He doesn't condemn you because you move from one socioeconomic level to the next. That doesn't bother God. What bothers Him is the issue of priorities. Listen, everything you and I have this morning is given to us from God. You say, but I worked hard for what I have. You may have, friend, but God gave you the gifts. God gave you the ability. God gave you the physical strengths. It is all sourced in God and you have what you have because of Him.
1: Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogi. Dr. Brogi is Senior Pastor at Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. Today we begin a look at the second shortest book of the Old Testament, the book of Haggai. Though this book is short, that doesn't mean it is lacking. Frank Gablin, the author of Four Minor Prophets, Obadiah, Jonah, Habakkuk, and Haggai, writes... The truth is that few prophets have succeeded in packing into such brief compass so much spiritual common sense as did Haggai. The book of Haggai consists of four different messages, and Dr. Berge now introduces the prophet and begins a look at the first of these messages.
0: Open your Bibles, please. The table of contents, okay? I don't want to embarrass anybody this morning. We're going to need some help in finding this book. Look, if you will, in your table of contents in the Old Testament for the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai. If you find Malachi, you can back up just a few books. You'll find Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, or Haggai. Really doesn't matter how you pronounce his name. I don't think he cares much as long as you understand his message. Now, the way I kept these four books in order, the last five here was HZHZ. You notice that? Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah. HZHZ, and then Malachi. And while you've got it open there, find Psalms. That's going to be about in the middle of the list. And you might want to go back in your mind a few books to the book of Ezra. Do you see it there? Mark that page number because we're going to go there. And we're also going to be looking at Jeremiah briefly this morning, which is after Psalms. It's one of the major prophets. You find Isaiah and then Jeremiah. You might want to note that page number too because we'll be there as well. All right, now open your Bibles to Haggai. You ought to be able to find it, okay? Haggai, I want to begin reading this morning in chapter 1. Luceret, America's foremost authority in speech, said the purpose of the speech is not exhibition but communication. And judged by that standard, this prophet is a winner. He was a communicator. He was a motivator. He was an instrument in the hand of the Lord. He was an ordinary man who had an extraordinary ministry. We know very little about this prophet except for the four sermons or messages that he gives that are recorded in this, and two other references that you might want to write next to the title there on your title page, where it says Haggai, Ezra five one and six fourteen. All right, Ezra five one and six fourteen. I hope you brought a Bible. Well, I'll tell you, you'll be lost in this church without one. You'll get much more out of any sermon if you have a Bible. Now, this is a difficult book to find because it's the next to the shortest book in all of the Old Testament. There's only one that's shorter than it, and it's the book of Obadiah. Have you read it before, Haggai? Read it. I never heard of it. (laughs) All right. Beginning in verse 1. I hope you have it. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, The word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Johazadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while while this house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it, And be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why? declares the Lord of hosts. Because my house, which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew. The earth has withheld its produce. And I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Johazadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. They came and worked in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the year of Darius the king. I want to take a moment this morning to help you to understand the historical setting of this book. For many of us, if we were to take our Bibles this morning, about two-thirds is the Old Testament, about one-third is the New Testament, and the clean section of our Bibles is the Old Testament. And many times, because we're intimidated by the Old Testament. And one of the reasons it's intimidating is because it's difficult to understand, and it's difficult to understand because we don't always understand the historical setting in which it falls. Now, many of us think that the books of the Old Testament are given in chronological order, and they are not. Many of them are, but most of the books of the Old Testament are not. And so whenever you study the Old Testament, you want to ask yourself the question, at what time in the nation Israel's history does this book fall? Did it happen before God established Israel as a nation? That's Genesis 1 through 11. Did it happen before the people were... Uh, In exile, after the people, during what time in Israel's history does this book fall? Now let me give you the historical context of Haggai as it fits into the Old Testament. If you were to go back to Genesis chapter 12, you'd discover that there was a man by the name of Abraham that God called out by whom he would establish a group of people called the Jews, the nation Israel, through whom the Messiah would come. That happened in about 2,000 B.C. or 4,000 years ago. Abraham had two sons. Pay attention. I'm going to quiz you next week, all right? Two sons. They both began with an I, Ishmael and Isaac. Ishmael had 12 sons. By the way, those 12 sons formed the 12 tribes by which make up the Arab nations today. Isaac had two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was the son of promise through whom the lineage would continue. And so Jacob in turn had 12 sons that grew and flourished. God renamed Jacob Israel and his 12 sons formed the 12 tribes of the nation Israel. Those guys went down to Egypt because of the famine under Joseph. They ended up being there 400 years. They were brought out by Moses, carried into the promised land by Joshua We move into the period of the judges, a group of rulers that are over the people of Israel. And the folks look around, they see the other nations who have kings, and they say, we want a king. And so God gives them a human king. And so we enter into the period of the kingdom or the period of the monarchy. The first three kings in Israel's history were the most famous. SDS, that's how I remember them. Saul, David, and Solomon. And under these three kings, all the twelve tribes were united under a single king. Now, when Solomon reigned as king, there was a lot of moral compromise. We read in 1 Kings 11 that because of his moral disobedience, God was going to tear his kingdom apart, but he would wait to do it until his son, because of the respect that he had for Solomon's father, David. David. And so under Solomon's sons, the 12 tribes of Israel are torn apart. There are 10 northern tribes that were referred to as Israel. And there are two southern tribes that are referred to as Judah. And so the Old Testament prophets that that come after the period of the judges and after 1 and 2 Samuel are preaching to one of these groups of people. Either the ten northern tribes or the two southern tribes. Now, both groups dried up spiritually. They began to be idolatrous as groups of people, and so God used outside nations to judge His own people, as He often does in biblical history. First, He brought judgment on the ten northern tribes through the Assyrians. The Assyrians came down, defeated those people, 722 B.C., Hauled them away to their land. The Assyrians were later conquered by the Babylonians, all right? And 134 years later, the Babylonians come down and they take away the two remaining southern tribes. Now, the Old Testament prophets that have a book named after them are preaching typically in one of three time periods. There were other prophets like Elijah and Elisha and Moses, they don't have books that bear their name. But the prophets that have books that bear their name, there are 17 of them in the Old Testament, are either preaching before the exile, they're called pre-exilic prophets, all right? They're preaching to the, the nation when they were either all together or separated the two southern tribes and the ten northern tribes. Then there are some prophets who are preaching during the time that the people have been carried away. In fact, there are only two in the Bible, Daniel and Ezekiel. Daniel deals primarily with the political restoration as it relates in that day, and Ezekiel with the religious restoration of the people. And then you have some prophets who preach after the exile, after the people are brought back into the land. There are only three of those. Haggai or Haggai falls into that category, along with Zechariah and Malachi. And so when you think of Haggai, you want to think of him as a post-exilic prophet. He preached to the people after the folks were brought back from the captivity into their own land. Now, let's look at the passage at hand. Let me turn to it. Haggai chapter 1. Notice, if you will, verse 1, because I want you to understand the stage further as it relates to this book. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month. Now, please note the date. Darius the king began to rule in 522 B.C. You can look that up in the Encyclopedia Britannica. And so it's dated here, you could write out in your margin if you want, September 1, 520 B.C. Now he dates each of the four sermons that we find in this book like he were writing a diary. And he does it not just for filler, but it's very critical as we understand how the people respond to his book. It's also very critical as you study the book of Zechariah, the book that follows Haggai, because his sermons are dated and these guys are contemporaries. They're preaching at the same time. In fact, Haggai preaches one month. The next month, Zechariah the prophet is preaching. Now, the second thing I want you to note is the source. Notice what it says here in verse 1. The word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai. Twenty-six times... In the 38 short verses of this book, we're told that this message is sourced in God. That's going to be very significant. God does that for a reason. Haggai is simply the instrument through whom God is speaking. The third thing I want you to note is the recipients. Notice what he says. To Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. These two individuals represent the civil and religious leadership. And behind them both are the nation that is there in Palestine. Now, to go back, uh, to understand this, you have to go back a little bit to the book of Ezra. So remember, Ezra, if you find Psalms right in the middle of your Bible, turn to the left and flip back three or four books and you'll come to the book of Ezra. Now, notice, if you will, in the book of Ezra, chapter one and verse one. Have you found it yet? All right, good. Now, what's the book right before Ezra? What does it say on the page next to it? 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 36, and the last two verses of that book, introduce Ezra, Esther, and Nehemiah. Notice what it says in 2 Chronicles 36 and verse 22. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. Well, what was the word of the Lord through Jeremiah? You have to turn to Jeremiah. Hold your finger here. We're not done. Go to Jeremiah, if you will, chapter 25. Now, I'm going to be teaching as much as I am preaching this morning. I'll tell you what, it's hot in here. Is it just me? Oh boy, they had that heat on, didn't they? All right, Jeremiah 25. Turn there real fast. Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet who preached to those two southern tribes before they were deported by the Babylonians. Jeremiah 25, notice verse 3 of that chapter. From the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even to this day, these 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me. And I have spoken to you again and again, but you have not listened. And the Lord has sent to you all His servants and prophets again and again, but you have not listened nor inclined your ear to hear. Verse 6, He told them, Do not go after other gods to serve them and to worship them. And do not provoke me, the Lord, to anger with the work of your hands. Yet you have not listened to me. Verse 8, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Because you have not obeyed my words, behold, I will send and take all the families of the north, declares the Lord, and I will send to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, my servant, and will bring them against this land. Verse 11. And this whole land shall be a desolation in horror, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years." So God predicted through this prophet because of the idolatrous nature of the people that he was going to use Nebuchadnezzar, an unbeliever, his servant, to come down, attack Israel, carry him to Babylon for 70 years. Now, why 70 years? Because for 490 years, the people had not observed what was called the sabbatical year in the Old Testament. God told the Jews, six years you farm the land. The seventh year, you let the land rest. You might think, well, man, how are we going to survive in the seventh year? God is able, whenever we obey him, whenever we follow his principles, to accomplish his will. Just like he did through Joseph, where they had seven years of famine. Nothing was produced, and he took care of his people. But the people disobeyed the word of the Lord. For 490 years, they lived in idolatry. There should have been 70 years that the land rested. And so God chose to judge his people for 70 years as a reminder for their violating his word. Now notice 2 Chronicles, if you will. Go back there, 2 Chronicles, the last chapter right before Ezra, verse 22, he goes on. He says, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, verse 22, so that he sent a proclamation throughout his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him and let him go up. So that Nebuchadnezzar had come in, and i tell you what, they had wiped out the city of Jerusalem through three sieges, destroyed the temple, tore down the walls. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet predicted that would happen, and in the book that follows, Lamentations, it's, a, it's the prophet weeping over the city of Jerusalem and its destruction. And so God said that this siege would last, or this exile would last 70 years. The time of completion was over. He works in the heart of this pagan king Cyrus, stirs him up to write a proclamation to let the people go. You can see why Solomon said that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Now notice Ezra in verse 1, chapter 1. Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdom of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in judah and rebuild the house of the lord the god of israel now flip over to chapter five of this book in verse one Notice he says, when the prophets Haggai and the prophet Zechariah, the son of Ido, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, who is over them, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josedach, arose and began to rebuild the house of God, which is in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. Now, please note, we're told here, Haggai and Zechariah were contemporaries. And they prophesied during the period that's covered in Ezra chapters 1 through 6. And these guys, servants of the Lord, weren't too stiff to bend. They get down, they're not afraid to get their hands dirty in the work of the Lord as they rebuild the temple. So after the 70 years of siege, The people come back in three different groups. A proclamation is sent out. The first group comes back in 536 B.C. under the man Zerubbabel. That's covered in Ezra chapters 1 through 6, what took place there. And Haggai is the prophet along with Zechariah who's prophesying during this time. The second group comes back under Ezra who ends up recording what happened those early years in chapters 1 through 6, and he writes the rest of the book of Ezra. But the second group comes back 80 years later in 457 B.C., and that's what chapters 7 through 10 deal with in the book of Ezra. The third group comes back 13 years after that under a man that we've studied, Nehemiah. And Nehemiah's focus is not the rebuilding of the temple, but the rebuilding of the what? The walls. That's right. I hope you remember that. Remember? The walls. He rebuilt the walls. And the man who was prophesying in Nehemiah's day was Malachi. Malachi preached during the same time Nehemiah lived. So you've already learned this morning there are two prophets who preached during the exile, Daniel and Ezekiel. There are three prophets who preached after the exile, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Now, Notice, if you will, uh, the book of, uh, and by the way, I might say this, when you come to the end of Nehemiah, you come to the end of the Old Testament. That's really the last book of the Old Testament, 424 B.C. That's also the last book, Malachi. They are written at the same time. And we enter into 400 years of silence when God doesn't speak until he speaks again in his Son. Now... Notice Ezra, flip over, you come to Nehemiah. What's after the book of Nehemiah? Esther, Esther. Now between chapters 6 and 7 of the book of Ezra, there's a 58-year gap. And during that 58 years is the period in which the book of Esther took place. Now what's after the book of Esther? Well, Job must have been good friends with Esther, Right? Never knew her. Lived fifteen hundred years before. Never knew he lived during the time of the patriarchs when the book of Genesis uh, it would fall in the same time frame as Genesis was. Now that's why we get so balled up in the Old Testament sometimes. Is chronologically we're, we're not sure where we are, and so Haggai is the one who prophesied after the exile in Jerusalem. Now. If you want to read chapters 4 through 6, you can get the details, but let me review them for you or summarize them for you of Ezra. The people come back into, the, into Jerusalem. They're excited. I mean, they're pumped to be back in God's city. They start rebuilding the temple. They get the foundation all laid. They set up an altar. They reinstitute the sacrificial system. But no sooner... Do they start that? Are they opposed by some of the enemies in that day? And two years into the work, the building of the temple stops completely. All they've got done is the foundation. And so these people forget their God-given priorities. And 14 years later, 16 years after they come back into the city of Jerusalem, God raises up this prophet Haggai to stir the people up to get them doing what they ought to do. Now that's the backdrop of the book of Haggai as you read it. See this week if you can read through Haggai. Would you do that? Read it through a few times and see if you can outline the book in your own thinking and we'll discuss that next time. Now let's get back into the text. Hold your finger in Ezra. Don't leave that. I don't want you to lose it. And go, if you will, back to Haggai. Notice, if you will, Haggai chapter 1 in verse 2. Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says, the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. There's three things that Haggai wants us to understand in this first sermon. The first is the rationalization of the people. These folks say the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. That's their excuse. It's a rationalization. Remember, a rationalization is nothing more than a rational lie. Notice how God addresses these people. Thus says the Lord of hosts, this people says. He doesn't say my people. He says this people because this people were not acting like his people. And so he impersonally calls them this people. This people says the time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. In other words, it's not the right psychological time. It's not the best time. Someday it will arrive, but it's not now. It's not time to rebuild the temple so we can worship together as God wants us to worship.
1: Why did the people start so strong, but then got sidetracked to the point where they say it's just not time? Dr. Brogy will examine that question in detail on our next program. To listen again to today's message, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program HAG1. By the way, you may want to check out our website and listen to some of Dr. Berge's other messages online. Just find us at searchthescriptures.org. There you can also email us and let us know your thoughts about Search the Scriptures. And, of course, you can always call us on our toll-free line and share with us your questions or comments and order any of our resources. Our number again is 877-787-7478. Because of the surge in COVID cases, the state of Israel has suspended travel into the country. Consequently, our fall trip to the Holy Land has been rescheduled to May 11th of 2022. That means if you missed out on the opportunity to sign up earlier this year, you have a new window of opportunity. Just visit searchthescriptures.org and get all the details. Tomorrow, Pastor Brogy's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, mothering from the heart. And when we return Monday, we'll continue our look at Haggai as we search the Scriptures.